Welcome to the Another Startup Story podcast. My name is Carmen Tang, your host, and together we'll explore and enjoy conversations around entrepreneurship, creativity, and leadership. In our careers, businesses, passions, and especially our visions, you're invited to learn a lesson with us. So on today's episode, we'll be focusing on a huge topic that's relevant to many, many people, um, and that topic being fertility. Uh, today, I have Maria, the co-founder of FIG, um, a well health and wellness femtech startup that's helping to de- demystify the topic of f- fertility using um, home test kit supplements and offering a com- community of like-minded women seeking for answers to anything reproductive health related. So FIG are interesting because they're very much revolutionizing the traditional medical industry. And in today's conversation, we'll unpack how she came about starting this femtech company, what her entrepreneurial journey has been like so far, and how you can be more proactive in taking care of your reproductive health. So welcome to the show, Maria. (laughs) Thanks, Carmen. Great to be here. How is your week going so far? Uh, it's been a big week. It's still going. <laughs> Life of a startup. Life of a startup. In many ways, it's been a long week, but also it's flown by. Um, we have a big investor demo day coming up next week, as you well know. Yeah. Um, so we've been preparing for that, but also talking to investors, shipping kits to influencers, which has been really exciting, uh, but also just doing, you know, all the things that you need to do. Because as a, as a founder, you're looking at market size all the way down to font size. Often in the space I love of that. Market size minutes. to font size. In the space of five minutes. It's so true. Like when people ask what it's like working in a startup or starting your own business, it's like every day is so different and it's moving so fast that your brain, it is hard, you know, to be always on. Um, That's kind of why you sign up for it, I think. Yeah, exactly. Because you can't, you'll never be bored. Mm, exactly. So I gave a brief intro into what FIG does, but maybe you can share your elevator pitch uh, in one sentence on how you would describe the company. Happy to. I'll, I'll share the elevator pitch of this afternoon. <laughs> uh, so I like to say that FIG is a reproductive and health and wellness company for the modern woman. Uh, we offer direct-to-consumer reproductive health screens and follow-on access to experts and support. And notably, we, we pride ourselves on being everything that the current medical system isn't. We are accessible, we're affordable, we're easy to understand, and we take a holistic, whole-of-body approach. So we're there to really complement the kind of care you can expect from a doctor or provide an alternative if you want um, a less medicalized approach or if seeing a doctor is just out of reach for you for whatever reason. So you can think of us as a tele-wellness um, support platform to complement telemedicine Mm. and I guess like when you think about you know the whole of the medicine industry it's just for everyday consumers like myself who haven't done science since GCSE is (laughs) or or like sex education since school if you were even paying attention exactly (laughs) exactly so it is hard because you only really want to deal with it when you're having a baby or when you actually have symptoms of some sort of disease that you didn't know was living in your body mm-hmm. for X number of months or even years. And that's quite scary because, you know, as our individuals, we should be well-informed and we should be proactively taking care of our health from a more holistic perspective. Mm-hmm. So I think FIG really fills a gap for that. Um, so do you want to just share a bit more, Maria, about what you were doing before this and, you know, why you decided to focus on this industry and start a femtech startup? Yeah, Absolutely. So uh, immediately before FIG, I was working at Google in, in New York City, um, and I, I had the privilege of working alongside some of the world's you know, most talented product managers shipping early-stage products. 
Um, and before that, I was in, in living in New Delhi, India, working with the Clinton Health Access Initiative um, and introducing new drugs and diagnostics to emerging markets across Asia and Africa. And then related to that, I was also working on a, a slate of women's rights issues and gender inequality across different settings, including East Timor and, and Google. And so, you know, I have a number of interests that do come together brilliantly in this, you know, when you think about femtech, healthcare femtech, um, you know, it combines my interest and experience in healthcare, women's rights and tech. Um, and also because of my own personal journey as a parent, I have um, two gorgeous children, three and a half and one, and they're just, you know, the, the loves of my life. But it wasn't always easy. Um, when I first fell pregnant, that was about four years ago, that ended abruptly in a miscarriage, which, um, you know, in hindsight was pretty, um, a pretty isolating experience. Mm. And I didn't have access to a gynecologist at the time because in New York, uh, standard medical practice is you see your gynae when you're mm -hmm. eight weeks along. Wow. And I was seven weeks along. So just one week shy. Yeah. I hadn't yet a regular gynae. So it wasn't as though I could just call her up and say, hey, is this actually happening? Is it because it's so expensive there? Or? Partly that, but partly I think they wanted, they, they actually accept that miscarriage is that common, wow. that it probably isn't. They worth, don't have enough quote unquote, yeah, resources to yeah. a patient until they reach right. that eight week wow. mark. Because the further along you are, the lower the likelihood of miscarriage, mm. right? It actually declines over time. Mm -hmm. So my subsequent pregnancies, every day I found myself Googling likelihood of miscarriage at wow. seven weeks and one day, seven weeks and two days. And it was, this, and this is what happens when something happens to you or, or you feel a sense of um, lack of control. Yeah. Dr. Google is your best friend and yeah, you, you totally. do your best to try and find information. Not that that was the healthiest thing to do or, or that evidence-based in <laughs> any way, shape or form. But, you know, the, the bottom line is I felt quite alone um, and I didn't know who to turn to or, or um, what kind of advice mm. I could trust online, right? A lot of my friends weren't yet parents. I didn't know who else had had a miscarriage or weren't talking about it mm -hmm. openly. Um, so, yeah, those feelings of, like, loneliness and confusion, you know, they're so commonplace. I have so many friends that have struggled far more than I ever did, right, yeah. who, who are still struggling and, and for reasons that are really preventable. Um, because they have conditions that actually are diagnosable, treatable, manageable. Um, and so that's not to say once you treat those conditions, you're going to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, for anyone that's trying, you would know for the things that are in your control, you want to yeah. control them. You want to absolutely increase your chances. You want to do everything even possible. Even by 1%. Yeah. And I, I know from a few friends that if they could have turned back time, they would have. Mm. You know, I wish I would have known is, is yeah. a phrase I hear a lot. Um, so, you know, th there's a, I'm just really motivated. I think the right to a family is a really um, is one that everyone should have. Mm. Um, so I went into um, an incubator program called Antler um, with an intention to build a healthcare business and ideally one in the reproductive health space. Mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to meet my co-founder, Pierre Spinazzi, who is a, an MD. Um, a, a medical doctor. Highly, yes, a medical doctor, highly credentialed, has an, a PhD as well in healthcare AI um, from South Africa, who also shared an interest um, in this space, having worked in uh, perinatal care with the Singaporean government. So we met and we decided to co-found a business together and quickly landed on fertility, reproductive health as that, mm. that area of focus. And so FIG was born, you know, early September we got funded, we got some early pre-seed funding um, from Antler in October, 
which is when we incorporated. So we're all the three months old. Um, but now we have a team of five. And yeah, we're making our investor debut next week. And we launched um, this month as well to the Singapore market um, to some great interest, I think. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot there, but fundamentally you are definitely providing um, a much needed solution um, to the space. I think, you know, it's been, I very much see figures, yeah, revolutionizing the medical industry and creating that. I love that you called it for the modern woman because, you know, the modern woman is juggling so many things on their plates but they want to be optimizing every area of life you know they're compromising yeah exactly yeah so we're no longer kind of putting up with things and assuming it's like that's how we've always done it Mm -hmm. you know how are we going to make change and really yeah optimize and and drive forward things um so you mentioned Pierre who is a medical doctor and he's your co-founder um how did you know that Pierre was the right co-founder for you yeah I'm going to just tell it how it is. I don't think that I did, to be honest. Um, we So Antler does these boot camps where you, you, oh you actually um, spend two days working together, simulating how it is to, to actually be co-founders. Um, and we had an interesting experience. It wasn't horrendous, but it wasn't, you know, a 10 out of 10. He would agree mm. if, he, if he were here. And so we both weren't sure. Um, but I think um, what brought us back together in the end was the shared interest in healthcare. Um, we had talked about reproductive health very early in our many mm. conversations, and it kept coming back to an interest in the space and, and improving access to healthcare. Mm. Right. So he comes at it from a perspective of being a doctor and seeing um, what access to health can do for patients. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a trauma surgeon in South Africa, and he has the most incredible stories. I come at it from a perspective of both being a patient. Um, but also um, my time, you know, working on access to drugs and diagnostics for tuberculosis in emerging markets. And so, you know, I believe in systems change. And, and by that, I mean not necessarily seeing a patient and, and making change one by one, but actually revolutionizing the system, mm-hmm. disrupting something that's outdated um, and, and make, having wide scale impact. So we both agreed on that access to healthcare, having impact. Um, and, and maybe looking at a business that can go so big and have such impact that it can actually expand to the developing world mm. in time. Um, so that really kept us, you know, aligned. Um, and then we realized we did have very complementary skills. Um, so whereas, you know, Pierre um, is very deliberative um, and very thorough in his decision making, I, I have a strong bias to action Mm -hmm. and so you know I'm always like this needs to be done yesterday and he's like well hold on let's think this through yeah um so that's a nice balance as well um and yeah and then I really enjoy these public speaking engagements where I get to talk about you know my story and Fig's origin story and he I think likes to be a little bit more behind the scenes and thankfully he doesn't mind doing mm-hmm. some of the things I don't enjoy. Yeah. Like, um, you know, getting us incorporated and, and <laughs> making sure the books or are the balanced. Biz- Why is it always that? That is always know. that department that everyone hates when starting I business. I don't know. The finance, the business stuff. But yeah. Yeah. It's less glam, I think. <laughs> but thankfully, he doesn't mind that. I, 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 thanks, I think, Pierre. I think, yeah, thanks, Pierre. <laughs> so the next question I really want to ask is very much looking into the core problems that women face throughout their whole reproductive health career. But the way that I want to pose this is very much looking into um, 
it from a from a founder perspective so when you have a startup or when you're thinking of providing a solution to some kind of business problem and you identify your target market but it may not be just one it may be pockets or maybe um, individuals further on down the stage and so a really good idea to do this is to create out you know map out the customer journey Mm -hmm. and see you know at which touch point um, do each target market come in so can you kind of you know maybe briefly map out the customer journey and the customer market journey as to what when does each one of the target markets come into play throughout the whole reproductive health career yeah yeah so I think there's two ways to answer this there's what we're doing today um, as FIG is currently built um, and then what the vision is longer term I think maybe I'll start from the vision um, because that's the biggest um, and, and probably the most high level version of this but ultimately we want to be the go-to platform the trusted go-to platform for women's reproductive reproductive health in Asia so that means that if you are you know about to enter puberty or you're going through menopause and you don't know if you're going through menopause um, that entire lifespan of 40 plus years, that's where FIG would come in um, for support. Now, today, we, you have to start small. This is your startup number one, like rule number one. You can't do it all and you can't be all things to all people. Or you won't be anything to anyone, right? So we've chosen to, st- to be focused around um, fertility. Mm-hmm. So um, you have a goal in mind of either trying to conceive today or very soon. Um, we chose to focus there because infertility is on the rise globally and especially in Asia as women are delaying parenthood Mm -hmm. because their careers are are taking off. They have more opportunity, access to contraceptives. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also a very activated segment, right? So once that's a goal that you have in mind, it becomes something that you desperately want. And I can speak from firsthand experience and your willingness to pay, your willingness to to look for solutions uh, is higher than Mm -hmm. most so from that perspective, we're focusing then on reproductive health conditions that impact fertility. Um, and, and these are conditions that women often do have uh, from a younger age, from puberty, from their 20s, but don't necessarily realize that mm-hmm. they have. Yeah. And then the stories we're hearing from our users is, oh, it was when I tried to conceive, I wasn't successful for you know, 9 to 12 months, finally went to see a doctor, and that's when I got diagnosed. Mm-hmm. I got diagnosed with you know, a condition called endometriosis, uh, which is like a, an issue with the uterine lining mm-hmm. or a condition called PCOS, which is a hormonal imbalance that impacts ovulation. So these are issues that are lifelong that women have, they're walking around with, not realizing mm-hmm. necessarily. And it's only because they went and saw a gynae that they, they found out about these issues. So not only does this impact fertility, um, time is of the essence for some of these. So endometriosis can lead to scarring. Mm. And if scarring progresses too far, it can mean you can't actually conceive. Um, and PCOS is something that, that can have uh, other impacts besides fertility. Mm. Um, for some women, it's irregular periods. It's weight gain you can't explain. It's male pattern boldness. It's acne. It's excessive facial hair. It's mood swings, uh, depression. So these are all things that are tied to this hormonal imbalance. Um, And so fertility is just one aspect of it. Um, So what we really want to bring home for, you know, our followers and anyone that's paying attention to FIG at all is to say, yes, reproductive health is important for having a baby, but it's not just for having a baby. Mm -hmm. You have this, you have the uterus, you have ovaries, you have fallopian tubes, and you have 
um, a thyroid. A body. A body, yeah. essentially. <laughs> it literally is with you. And we put so much care into, you know, how we stage our homes and how they feel and look. But what about our bodies? Like, yeah. if, you're, if you had a leak, um, you know, in your, in your bathroom or you couldn't predict when like the light streamed through your window every month. Like if, if something just wasn't working like clockwork in your home, you would yeah. fix it. And yet we tolerate our periods That's ranging so from 35 days to every 21 days to every 45 days. We just ignore it. Yeah. We just, we just think, Oh, it, it, I can manage it. I can push through. Yeah. And, and why is that though? Right. And I think partly it's just because that is the way that it's been done. It's the way that we've been taught. Um, and, and nobody's questioned it until now. I think it's partly because a lot of people don't understand it. They think it's normal and it's expensive to seek help. Yeah. The friction is very high. You know? Yes. So, so what would you do if you saw something weird going on in your body? Yes, you can see a gynae, but, you know, even a consultation is like $100 here in Singapore. It's not that common for people to go to the UK, you know, to see a gynae. It's probably more. And I don't know about parts in Australia or the US or yeah, absolutely. other parts in the world. It's just, there's a huge, you know, there's many hurdles you have to go by when people just assume and pray it's nothing. You yeah, know? exactly. So it's both the, the, the reasons to go see a gynae, um, we perceive them as not being that important because we don't know that it might be something more serious. Mm-hmm. And then the friction to see a gynae, as you say, is, is hard. Like, it's not just the cost. The cost is a huge element. But then it's also having to get a referral, having to make an appointment, you know, sit yeah, in a waiting room, time, time and, yeah. deal with the bills. And who's got that time? Again, the modern woman is busy with her careers and she's probably working long hours. Mm. Or if she's not working, she's got better things to do with her time. Yeah. Right? So that's where Fit comes in, right? We offer this direct-to-consumer re- reproductive health screen. So you buy it like you would buy a lipstick, only with fewer decisions. You can just order it yeah. and it gets delivered to your home, get it the next day. And, you know, you set aside 10 minutes to do some jumping jacks to get your heart rate up, wash your hands, and then administer a finger prick. It's, it's really not that big a deal. It may sound scary, but you, you prick your own finger, collect a few drops of blood into a test tube, and a courier comes and picks it up, takes it to a lab, and you get your results within two days. Yeah, so the courier is already organized and everything. It's pretty, you can do it within the comfort of your own exactly, home, right? Exactly. On your own time, when it suits you, you don't even have to talk to anybody. Yeah, that's great. Um, you could put some, you know, Ariana Grande on, whatever whatever is your jam. <laughs> to get you pumped yeah, up. Yeah, get you pumped up. You can do it immediately post that run. Um, and yeah, you get your results. The results are broken down for you in human speak, right? Mm-hmm. No, no medical jargon. We also outline concrete next steps that are tailored to you based on your goals. Um, and we offer as well a teleconsultation with our physician as well. Mm-hmm. If your results are abnormal, if you just have questions. Um, and we're, so we're with you every step of the way. And then we offer coaching and a community. So after all of that, if you do have a condition that you need managing or you have a goal of trying to conceive and you've got questions, that's again where you can turn to FIG for support mm. to answer those questions. Yeah, that's great because I think so often, even if we do go and see a gynae or a doctor, you get this really complex medical report, which the doctor's telling you there and then, but you definitely forget what he's saying or what he he or she is saying or Mm -hmm. what it means. And so having that touch point and being able to just easily, you know, WhatsApp the community or message the doctor is really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, And... I guess that's kind of the reason why someone would come to FIG versus using a gynae, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's also also sometimes, I don't know if you, this has happened to you, but when I get 
bad news or I get news that can be potentially a bit scary, mm-hmm. I sometimes like freeze up. And in that moment, I'm not necessarily thinking as quickly or asking those follow-up questions or they don't, mm. they just don't yeah. pop into my head until totally. after when I've had time to process. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, there's not that time. Doctors give you 10 minutes at best. Um, it's not the most friendly environment. It can mm. often feel cold and rushed and, and, and they, some doctors don't even make eye contact with you. Like they're yeah. great at their jobs, but it doesn't make it necessarily yes. approachable. transactional. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and as part of, uh, you know, my week, I, I started to ask girlfriends, like if you could ask any question, looking back on your experiences with mm-hmm. doctors in getting pregnant or considering egg freezing, mm. um, if you could ask any question, knowing that it'd be judgment free or knowing that it wouldn't, you wouldn't get a clinical answer, mm-hmm. what would you ask? And it took them no time at all to just jot down like 10, 20 questions that they sent over. And I was like, mm. there we go. That's how we know that figures needed because mm. these questions are still burning a hole in their, in their minds that they're still unanswered yeah. or they just were never answered adequately or with enough empathy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's why there's a gap in the market for figs. Yeah, and unfortunately, Google doesn't um, provide that solution anymore. It just confuses you even more. Exactly. It's interesting you mentioned the PCOS disease because I'm learning so much about I didn't even know what PCOS was until meeting you. And, and you know, PCOS is it's like one in 10 women are likely to suffer from it. It's quite scary, but it's very easily treatable, but often gone undetected. So, um, But it's actually funny, a friend of mine who is half German, half Singaporean, she is from the south of uh, Germany. And um, she said there, for some reason, the healthcare system, they encourage a woman, it's like mandatory to test. And so she got test, tested very early on and now takes meditation uh, medication daily. Mm-hmm. But here, and I know so in the UK, it's definitely not a common thing to test for. So, you know, if you leave it to the last minute, then it could be too late. And why would you want to, you know, leave it to too late? Because, I don't know, not I definitely want kids. And the thought of not being able to have kids is just just soul destroying I think and so just being a bit more proactive and making that small change it's not even inconvenient making that small change getting the test delivered is all done for you it just takes 10 minutes of your time and yeah yeah, absolutely it's great and that one in 10 number is actually a global number we don't really know the real prevalence Mm, of PCOS here because it is undiagnosed yeah Um, and is it true you said for so for East Asian women the so you mentioned the other um side effects could be like acne weight depression but for east asian women that's right the only trait of pcos is irregular periods yeah so we we have a board of medical advisors and one of them shared with us something that was really concerning um east asian women um have this phenotype the east asian phenotype which means that they instead of suffering from most of the most obvious symptoms of pcos the one that they do get is a regular period. So they're not walking around with, you know, overweight or with acne or um, facial hair or male, male pattern baldness. So great, good news for, for Asian women, yay. But it does mean that they have even less reason uh, mm. to go to see a gynae because they're not, there's nothing bothering them on a day-to-day basis other than the inconvenience of irregular yeah. periods. Um, so they're even more likely to then be diagnosed late when they're trying to conceive Mm -hmm. um because i can imagine if i walked around you know with facial hair i definitely go see a doctor like that (laughs) exactly but my irregular periods okay i can live with that yeah um so this is why we want to raise awareness that you know if you have irregular periods that's not to say you have pcos 
but it's worth getting screened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's worth getting that peace of mind. I just think a lot of girls don't even really document or keep track of when they get their periods. I mean, now we have, you know, period trackers on our apps. It's very easy to do so. But I would just say being a bit more conscious and taking more note to when your periods mm -hmm. start or when you're not getting them is, is really important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just for peace of mind, for sure. Absolutely. And then doing something about it. If they really are widely varying, don't just put up with it mm -hmm. for, you know, the next... 20 more years of your life until yeah. menopause do something about it and, and so on that note what are some other easy ways that women can take to you know how can we take initiative to learn more about our bodies specifically around reproductive health yeah um so i think start asking yourself the questions that you maybe haven't given yourself the space to ask like why is my period regular you know is my period pain something that i truly want to live with if you do get painful periods um, start talking to your girlfriends about their experiences and, and, and start comparing, right? Because um, I think it gives you a sense of, actually, maybe this isn't that normal, what I'm going through. Mm. Um, it's, it's all part of your overall health. It's, it's part of our bodies. It's nothing to be ashamed of. So I think having that conversation um, with people you trust first and foremost um, and letting them know that you, you also care about how, how they're doing, mm. right? It's something we just don't talk about. Yeah. Um, I think also um, follow a trusted source. So because I'm biased, I'm going to say Fig Fertility. Uh, you can follow us on Insta at, at Fig Fertility, um, where there is amazing content now that um, is evidence-based because, as I mentioned, my co-founder is an MD and we, do, we are backed by a board of, of reproductive health specialists um, to provide relevant, synthesized, relatable, accessible content. Um, to help answer questions. And then we also are there if you have questions that we're not answering. Um, so, you know, contact us on all the socials um, and, and feel free to send over questions. Um, we are based in Singapore. If you are in a different market and you're hearing this, do reach out and let us know because um, we are also thinking about where to next. And then, you know, I think take this reproductive health screen. If, if you are in Singapore, we are launching in the next month. Um, if you are not in Singapore, then, then, you know, maybe consider, are your symptoms bad enough that you would want to go get that health screen? Um, it is, it is 10 minutes of your life at best. It's, you know, three hours at worst. Yeah. Um, but it could mean the difference between, oh, I don't have to have these symptoms every month for the next 20 years. Or it could be the difference of, I can have kids. Yeah. It, you could, know. Be. it could mean that you're getting ahead of it. You know, yeah. so with something like PCOS, which impacts your ovulation, uh, impacts whether or not that egg is getting released every month so you can conceive. If you know ahead of time that you have it, you can start to manage for it early mm. so that when you do want to conceive, that, that your body is working like clockwork as it should um, and that egg is, is there every month, mm -hmm. right? So that, I mean, we talk about period trackers because when you're trying to conceive, you want to identify that fertile window. Mm -hmm. So we're assuming you're ovulating. Mm -hmm. right. right. Just because you're getting your period doesn't mean you're necessarily ovulating. Right. It doesn't mean it doesn't vary month to month. So there's a lot that goes on. It's a lot more complex than we think. Yeah. Um, and so that app will only get you so far. And even if you get timing right, you have a max 10, 30% chance of getting pregnant. Mm, yeah, I was going to say, how accurate do you think those apps are for, for people who are trying to avoid getting pregnant too, you know? Just as they're not that accurate for getting pregnant, they're also not that accurate for adults, Yeah. right? So there are assumptions being made that you, um, 
you know, you ovulate. So it's for someone with a 28-day cycle, the assumption is you ovulate exactly in the middle, day 14. <laughs> All our bodies are not the same. And even if for the, an individual, that cycle can vary. Mm. You, your ovulation time within a cycle can change month yeah. to month. So mental note, take a pinch, you know, use those, (laughs) yeah, use those apps of a pinch of salt. Um, Yeah, super interesting. I think the whole concept of, you know, fig very much reminds me of, I recently did the circles DNA test. I'm still waiting on my results, but. How long ago did you send it off? It was quite a while, actually. I think I sent it off in December and I'm due to get my results end of January. So about a month, but there's about, I think they have around 200 different reports for the package that I got very much around diet, um, ancestry, fitness, sleep, a lot of different areas, but nothing really about reproductive health, I don't think. But what, you know, the point that I wanted to make is that, you know, people are, we have the information to be more informed now. As human, as a human generation, we are kind of, we're smarter, we're more intelligent, and we have all the resources and the tools to be more informed to make the right decisions ahead of time. Um, and so, I love the fact that, you know, there's a lot of, I think even the area of wellness is very much growing and people like you are providing a solution to, you know, problems that have been going on for years and years. Mm-hmm. And so my next question is, how do you, how do you see the future of femtech and um, where do you see FIG in the next two to three years? Yeah. Um, so I think maybe I'll, I'll tackle the, the second one first, if yeah. that's okay. Um, so as I mentioned, we're only in Singapore right now because we're three months old. Um, so we're still a newborn of a startup. Um, in our toddler years, two to three, we hope to be toddling across a couple of countries across Southeast Asia. Um, and for women in those countries to see us as the trusted go-to source for reproductive health and wellness. Um, so we, we do have our sights set on, on being across the mm-hmm. region, pan-region. But each market is very different from one another culturally, from a regulatory standpoint. Um, so there's a lot that we would have to um, think carefully about, and we want to do this right, right? Mm-hmm. We're not we're not just trying to be everywhere for the sake of being everywhere. We mm-hmm. want to serve women. So that means learning, you know, from women in Indonesia, for example, what it is that they need, what it is that they're having to deal with with the existing medical system. Mm-hmm. So it may look a little different country to country. Um, but that's that's what we see for FIG um, in the next two or three years. As for the future of Femtech, I think um, it, it, everybody probably knows this if you follow you know the the industry papers around tech in general, right? Mm-hmm. There is just this flight towards more data is better, and therefore, what can we do with that data? And that's personalizing. So personalizing mm-hmm. your experience based on the data that we're collecting. Um, that the same will be true for Femtech, um, but. For me, it's something more basic than that. I think my hope is for femtech to not be this this niche that's in the corner that does that has to have its own category. Mm. Um, because you know, women are fifty percent of the population. Yeah. Um, and and in fact, we control eighty percent of healthcare spend. So we should be really getting fifty percent of the attention. Yeah, right? it shouldn't be unattainable for the tech savvy user right yeah is that what you're saying well, it just isn't getting the investment and right. research attention that it deserves mm. um you know it, it, what it, the fact that we need a term like femtech means that we have neglected the needs of women up till now mm. it means there's a gap in the market and the gap in the market is because it's been there's no mass tech is that masculine tech there's, there's, no, <laughs> there's no there is no mass tech. no mass tech because that's just tech <laughs> of course that's so true. So healthcare, te- health tech is just health tech 
for a predominantly male yeah. population <laughs> because investors are predominantly male founders are still predominantly mm-hmm. male yeah yeah uh gynecologists in this region at least are predominantly male yeah and so there's a male lens to everything and so now we have to have femtech to kind of remediate that yeah um and so i hope femtech basically becomes mainstream like mm-hmm. I, I come from um a practice of, of a field of international development where we talk about mainstreaming gender equality, mainstreaming women's rights, where it's not an afterthought. We don't deal with the environment and education and financial access and then talk about women. We talk about women when we're talking about financial access. We talk about women when we're talking about mm-hmm, education mm-hmm. because we're 50% of the population. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it, we shouldn't be an afterthought. We shouldn't Definitely. be this like now new sexy area we've been around forever guys you do not <laughs> exist guys, without yeah. women exactly there wouldn't be no you without your mother <laughs> and and so and i you know i think back like even we there's an there's a trope around um mothers and their teenage daughters not getting along mm. and it is just recently that i've realized and delving into reproductive health it's part of that just part of that but part of that is because you have your teenage daughter hitting puberty just as the mother is hitting menopause. Mm. Those two very transitional periods mm-hmm. in those two women's lives yeah. are often in sync, are often happening at the same time. Right, right. And they're going through humongous hormonal changes that they don't understand, that they yeah. have no one to talk to, uh, that aren't actually that manageable uh, that, that we know of. And so that's contributing to a household environment where mm-hmm. there can be friction, right? Because you're having to deal with all those hormones. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember growing up, but I, I had, you know, the biggest fights with my mom. And now I think back and I'm like, it could be that my mom just didn't have, you know, somebody to turn to when she was going through menopause. She didn't have the support mm. that she needed. Um, menopause gets 5% of investment today. Wow, that's but crazy. it impacts again fifty yeah, percent of the population. Insane. Yeah, because we're that's all where we're all headed, and so it's, it's just it's crazy neglected. that it's completely neglected. Just because it's a unsexy thing. <laughs> yeah, so it's sexism yeah. and ageism. So it's mm-hmm. a double whammy of stigma. Yeah, wow, and I think you know on the rise of mental health, I think that's hugely integrated. It's definitely a gap in the market for sure. Maybe a topic for another time. Yeah. But <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so before we uh, before we wrap up, I kind of want to ask a few more fireside questions that we ask a lot of yeah. guests who come on the the show, just to get get to know a little bit more about you, Maria. Um, but yeah, so my first question is: Do you have a morning routine, and uh, what does it look like? I do. Um, I, it does vary a little day to day, depending on what workout I'm doing, but. Um, so I, I, yeah, I get up usually around six thirty in the morning, um, and the first thing I do before I even get out of bed is I reach for my five minute journal, which mm-hmm. sits on my on my bed um, side table, and and a, a good friend of mine who who's a very successful entrepreneur actually gifted it to me, and I <clears throat> I, I live by it ever since I got it, even yeah. though it's not available in Singapore. I, I was gonna say I don't find think the five minute journal it. is. Yeah, I just journal in like a blank book. Yeah, when I love something, I will I will move heaven and earth to get it shipped to me from wherever. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. Um, so it, it's it's a page a day. Mm-hmm. Half of it is for the daytime, and half of it is for before mm-hmm. bed. And it it asks you to start the day with three things that you're grateful for, mm-hmm. um, three things that will make today great, 
mm-hmm. and uh, one affirmation that you give yourself. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, so this is the flip of my morning routine. Um, before I go to bed, I I answer the question of three things that I'm that happened today. Um, for me, my challenge is being proud of myself of what I've accomplished. So I mm-hmm. change that to three things I'm proud of having done that day. Uh, and then one thing I could have done better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just forcing me to approach the day and, and conclude the day with intentionality. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and reframing. Uh, the other thing that I do is um, something called positive intelligence training, Pukki Gym. So um, this is something that was created by Shazad Shamin at Stanford um, it's essentially cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, you were saying about this. Yeah. Is this an app? Yeah, it's yeah. an app that basically you take your brain to the gym. Okay. And you um, train it to step away from enemies mm-hmm. that inhibit your ability to be effective or, or empathic or innovative. What do you mean by enemies? The saboteurs. So it's it's things that don't help you. Right. So in, being in too judgmental. Like in your mind. In your mind. Yeah. So being excessively judgmental being too controlling, mm-hmm. um, being too reckless, being an avoider, a victim. Um, so when those things are happening, your mm-hmm. brain is getting hijacked. Um, notice it, label it, do some PQ reps, which means like basically focus on something in your world, mm. in the real world, as, as an anchor, yeah. and then shift yourself into what he calls sage mode to then be more empathic or to be more creative, to say yes and when, when someone suggests something and your inc- first inclination is to say that's a shitty idea, you know, <laughs> instead of saying that, yeah. you go, well, what I like about that idea is this. Yeah. And then you build on it, right? Reframing your mind. Yeah. And, when and you obviously sh- verbally. Exactly. Mm. And when you show up in sage mode, that helps everyone around you to show up in sage mode. I like that. And yeah. then, you know, it sounds cheesy, but that makes for a more yeah. effective work environment yeah, and sure. a happier society. Um, so I still do that. Um, it was a six-week program that I finished, but I, I'm trying to keep that up every day. And then I, yeah, I, I drink some hot water with lemon water. I do uh, that lemon. too. Yeah. Um, I give my kick two starts kids a the hug. Digestment. The digestive system. Yeah, yeah, for that endorphin kick. And then I try and get to um, the gym for, you know, um, a workout. Mm, that's amazing. And, and for our listeners, can we just download that app? Or the PQ for the yes, you can download it, but it, he does charge for it. Okay, unfortunately, yeah. yeah. But there is a book. There's a well. book, yeah. the PQ Positive Intelligence. Positive Intelligence, interesting. Yeah, I've been studying neuroscience. I say studying, but reading tons of books on it, and it's just such an interesting concept. Again, I, I definitely foresee a lot of new startups around that space in the next, you know, one to two years. For sure. So on that note, what is your favorite? What is a book that you would give to a friend? One book that you would gift to a friend. Yeah, so this is a book I have actually gifted a good friend. Um, it's called Range, and it's by David Epstein, who's a sports journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, if you if you love, you know, the likes of Malcolm Gladwell mm-hmm. or Adam Grant, he's, yeah. he's in that genre of taking science and making it incredibly fascinating. Yeah, remind me of his books again. His David Epstein or Malcolm Gladwell? Mal- Malcolm Gladwell. So Gladwell wrote Outliers. Outliers, yeah. I get confused point. Originals, uh, origins. So um, Adam Grant wrote yeah, originals. No originals. Yes, yeah, right, 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 yeah. right. I see, yeah. So it's all okay. this stuff that's like grounded in science, but yeah. it, you know, they tell these stories that make it so gripping yeah. um, and fascinating. So David um, Epstein, he looked at the world's most successful athletes and artists and musicians and scientists, um, inventors. Wow. And he discovered that in most fields, especially ones where it's still very complex and unpredictable, it's actually generalists that are primed to excel. 
Generalists. Generalists, not specialists. Wow. I definitely consider myself as a generalist, so yeah, it makes so me feel good. I know. There's a <laughs> self-selection bias there. So he looks at Tiger Woods versus Rafael Nadal. Mm. And, and Woods was, you know, trained to golf from a very young age by yeah. his father. And, and that's what he did. And he was excellent. But Nadal, interestingly, came to tennis quite late. Right. He played a bunch of other sports that yeah. actually ultimately made him better at yep, tennis. Yep. Um, so, in fact, it makes them more creative, more agile, um, and actually better able to make connections, to mm. connect the dots. So he makes the case that for the world's most complex problems, which are the ones that are remaining to be solved, mm-hmm. we need generalists to look at it because they're the ones that see it from yeah, multiple they're not perspectives. Yeah, biased, totally. Yeah, and if you're having to that. learn um, across many different contexts, mm-hmm. you're actually better able to do abstract thinking. Mm. And then it means that you're actually able to then solve problems no matter what. Mm-hmm. is being thrown at you yeah yeah it makes so much sense i totally get it i love that piece of research i'm gonna have to read that you it's said it was read. called range 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 how okay. generalists triumph in a specialized world yeah it was interesting i read a really cool article around how as a generalist it's hard because a lot of generalists will go through different career transitions mm-hmm. especially now with covid it's very topical but actually going through a t- career transition shouldn't be seen as a a bad thing and you yourself have gone through so many I've right? gone through about five and I definitely would not have lived my professional life any other way yeah you're f- I feel like I don't know I'm always someone who wants to taste every flavor of life I guess yes. and, and it's, it makes it more interesting and you learn those like why be stuck in not saying there's anything wrong with being niche and I do think there's um advantages to that too but if you feel like you want to try something else just do it take the risk because you know you're only going to regret it nothing's irreversible yeah totally and what is one quote that you live by? It's one that to. I try to live by. Um, <laughs> it's on my IG handle. So it's uh, by Mahatma Gandhi. Mm-hmm. Um, and happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Mm, I love that. That reminds me of um, I recently went to a uh, like a sound bath. Have you ever done one before? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't realize it was after only after speaking to the conductor. And she was saying how the reason why it's so calming is that a lot of a lot of our times our mind and body is out of sync. So our mind is tired and our body is um, working to is not or vice so versa. True. But the sound bath actually, you know, synchronizes the two, which means, you know, it really that's why it releases a lot of energies and you have time to think and process things. But never really thought about it that way. But I think I don't know your quote very much, um, you know, makes makes a lot of sense. From yeah. that perspective. I think we spend a lot of energy unknowingly denying ourselves what we really want mm. or who we really are. Yeah. Because we are worried about what people will think or or looking foolish yeah. or what it'll cost or or what if I can't I can't go back. You know, risks seem so scary because yeah. and oftentimes it's it's actually the biggest um, dreams that, that are the scariest. Mm, totally. But if you reach for them, you know what you have to gain is oftentimes a lot more than what you have to lose. Yeah, totally. I love that. All right. Well, I'll wrap this conversation up now. Thank you so much, Maria, for sharing your story today and showing more about FIG and raising awareness Mm -hmm. um, for women to really take ownership of their reproductive career. Um, So for those listening at home uh, and want to know more, all the details will be in the show notes and you can find FIG on Instagram at FIGFertility. And if you're looking for more inspiration, there's plenty of other stories, interviews and resources. Just head to anotherstartupstory.com or you can find us on Instagram at anotherstartupstory. Thanks so much, Maria. Thank you. (laughs)